Merry Christmas. My name is Aaron McManus, and you are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. Uh, I hope you are having an incredible holiday with you and your family or whoever you may be with. And if you're by yourself, you're with us, and we are celebrating together. Uh, today's episode is from the archives, and I hope that you enjoy it. It is an episode of me and my sister Mariah McManus uh, on a platform in Venice. This was back when we did the Battle Ready podcast live at Mosaic Venice, which was my home campus and a campus I got to be a part of starting and a part of leading each week. And I really enjoy it. I really missed it. It was hard for me to watch this episode as we were picking it for the archives, but I really hope you enjoy it. My sister is incredibly wonderful, intelligent, strong, brilliant, and absolutely wise. And so this was a really special time where, if you know anything about my sister or my mom, they are so hard to lock down and get in front of the camera or on a podcast or to speak at Mosaic. So it was really a a treat and something really special and an honor um, for me. I know anyone who watched this to get to be together and sit under her wisdom and me as a big brother getting to ask her questions. So enjoy this podcast, enjoy this week, enjoy this weekend. I hope you get some rest, whether you're working or whether you're um, traveling or whether you're with family or maybe you're alone this holiday season. I want you to know you are not alone. You're part of the Battle Ready podcast family. Enjoy this episode. Watch some of the West Wing before it gets off of Netflix. And I hope you have an incredible holiday. Hey, how you doing? You good? Um, This is my little sister, Mariah McManus. Who, if you don't know, well, my name is Aaron McManus. Hi. I, I was created first. <laughs> but like so many stories in the Bible, the favor went with the little one. I'm just so kidding. Dumb. I'm just kidding. Um, the, you, a lot of people don't, well, I, I was going to say a lot of people don't know what you do. But if you come to Mosaic at all, our worship is predominantly led by you. Yes. But you are a person. I am. A human <laughs> with real feelings and emotions. You don't just sing. You I speak. Don't. I think so, And yeah. you, you're one of, my, one of our... <laughs> you think so? Yeah. You speak, you lead, you write, you build. You're an incredible wife to an amazing husband who's always on tour in an amazing band. Um... And you have big dreams, and you have big responsibilities. And one of the things uh, I'm just so excited to talk about, because she opened herself up to tonight, and if you uh, is to talk about her dreams, her responsibilities, what it means to be caught in between, like what God wants you to do, and what you feel like the calling on your life is, because you have a calling on your life. If you if you have breath, if you were at church on Sunday, the message was so good. If you were breathing, you are called. Yeah. Right? If you are breathing, you should bring it into the room with you. But she, my sister, is the, like, the, she embodies this reality. That when she breathes, she brings it to the room. So you are called to do things, but you also have big dreams. And we're going to talk about that. And I know it's something you've struggled with, something you're in the struggle in with. I don't know what I just said. You're, you're in the fight. I got you. And you're pretty private. Like, I'm private, but you're even more private. I'm like the Pentagon. You're the Pentagon. It's, it's so, it's so real. 
But you're also a phenomenal leader with in one of our most strategic minds behind the scenes. And there's so many choices that are being made every day with church because we went from one campus to six campuses so fast. And with that, there's so much thinking involved to a thought. There's a lot of thinking. <laughs> and you do, you carry so much of that load. And so we wanted to open the conversation up today to have a conversation about dreams. Um, how to dream, what to dream, how to sit in between what you're called to do and what, you're, what you've dreamt of doing your whole life. So are you with me? Yes. So Mariah's like, yes, I'm with you. Um, so you give it up for Mariah McManus. This is, would you like to talk? Yes. You want, we're just diving in. We're diving I in. I didn't realize we were going there so fast. So fast. <laughs> Okay, yes, dreams. Um, I don't know if most of you know that before I worked at Mosaic, I also was a human. And I, um, I wrote songs for film and TV. And so straight out of high school, I just started doing that. And um, it's the love of my life is to write music. I don't necessarily care about being on stage. I like to sing. Um, I like to scream mostly. If you've ever been to Hollywood, <laughs> there's not a lot of singing involved. Um, but I love to write songs. Um, to me, there's no point personally in singing if they're not from um, where you've been. And um, somebody told me when I was really young that there's just something about when you sing your own song that, that feels right. It's like the universe has aligned and or a star of planets. I'm not sure. I don't know. Universe. Don't talk the universe like that. can align, okay. maybe. Sure. Yeah. I saw know. Avengers. I'm not from Venice, so I don't know how to talk all mystical and stuff. So well, you can well, critique me well, later. We, have, we, have, <laughs> we brought crystals for you. Oh, perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect. Um, it's good. But that's what I did before I came to Mosaic. And so um, the choice to start working at Mosaic was a really difficult choice. And Can we timeline real quick? You wrote your first song that got on Grey's Anatomy at 16? 13. <laughs> we could say 16. I had a roller, I had, I had a roller backpack. <laughs> that, that, that same year, I was starting high school, roller backpack. Um, and then it gets placed in Grey's Anatomy. You had just enrolled, you were, but it gets placed a few years later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then was like you, were, you had just graduated high school. Mm -hmm. You were making, you're kind of in this like fork in the road of, do I go to fashion school? Mm -hmm. Do I go to Nashville? Yeah. Do I write records? Got like a phone call three days before I was supposed to start FITM that I got a placement on Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank God, I don't wanna go to fashion school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so you were, you were like actually making money doing what you love to do or what you just found that you love to do. Yes. And then you were at another crossroads when you decided to get the call of God on your life. Yes. When you decided. Which is like, let's just be honest, like when God calls you to do something, sometimes it's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> You're just like, for real right now? And it felt very much like, okay, you gave me this thing. It was a very clear like, um, moment, like probably the first time I ever felt like God really clearly spoke to me was when I got that placement and I moved to Nashville and I, I started writing songs for a living. Um, and I was like, okay, I heard God say to do that. And then 
four years down the road, he says, okay, leave it literally all behind, all the things that you love, all the things that you've given all to me, and I'm gonna give you something completely different that's um, working with more people <laughs> as an introvert, um, like doing all these things in a really unhealthy like worship culture that we used to have. Um, and it felt very much like, okay, well, this was like the, the meanest trick that someone could ever play on me to say, okay, here's everything you ever wanted. And now here's this thing that you don't want so desperately. I told my dad every day of my life, I will never work at Mosaic. <laughs> and somehow I knew that would just come back to haunt me. Um, so yeah, just to have, and I don't know if you've ever had that where like God so clearly says something, um, but everything in your life lines up in the opposite direction. Um, and I think that's been the biggest struggle over, I've worked at Mosaic for six years now. And every moment of those six years, that call when I was 18 haunts me. And it doesn't mean that I don't love doing what I do here at Mosaic and that it's not like the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. Like I truly think it's the most important thing I could ever give my life to. But every single day, I think about that moment. And I have to just, um, I have to continue to believe that that moment um, was, is still going to define my life as well. That like, there's not just one call, but a lot of calls. And my like, our, our framework for like time and everything, and um, maybe a call from God is so limited, but his framework is unlimited. And so what one moment might be, what I see as my entire life for him is just the tiniest little call that he could possibly give me. And actually one call is only a piece of the bigger call. And so I think for me, I'm just like sort of, I feel like a little video game, like picking up calls until I get to the last level, which I don't know what the, well, I, I hope I don't get there. I, I'm not trying to get to the last level yet. Um. Wait, but can I stop you right there? Yeah. So you're saying that there is a calling in your life as someone who is on a faith journey, someone who believes in Jesus, that you stepped into a relationship with Jesus and mm -hmm. you feel like God was called, called you yes. to build this church. Mm -hmm. And then in that moment, because there's moments I feel like where we're called by God, and then there's moments where God speaks to us and calls us to action. What do you feel like would have happened if you missed that moment? Which moment? The moment that you think of all the time that you wish you maybe would have skipped over. <laughs> um, do you feel like there was a weight in that pressure in that moment? What caused you to choose to follow what God was calling you to do? Well, I think um, the idea of losing the intensity of God's voice um, was the pressure to say yes. Um, that I don't, like, the idea of changing my, my, the trajectory of my life um, was less impactful than me not being able to hear what God said the next time I tried to listen. And so, and every time you obey, the voice gets stronger. And when you don't hear God's voice, it's probably because you've heard it before and you've ignored it. And so like the little tiny moments of being able to say yes and saying like, the greater span of my life is way more important than saying no to this moment because it hurts or it's uncomfortable or it feels like something's getting ripped away from me because I believe 
believed that in that moment, my faithfulness and my willingness to say yes, he would give me a greater dream and a greater love and a greater passion after I said yes. And it's, it's true and I'm still learning about it, but I would say that like my life has expanded more than I ever could have imagined doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I don't believe that that call wasn't a real call. I believe that it's just part of it. Um, but I was so afraid that if I said no, which I wanted to so desperately, um, I would lose the intensity of that moment because I so intensely felt what God was saying to me. And I, um, I hated it, but I did, like desperately needed it. And I knew that like, if this is how intense it felt in this moment, if I said yes, he would be with me through it. He wouldn't just abandon me and I would be able to hear it and I would be able to feel the intensity of his voice every step of the way, as long as I just said yes. So, so. can we, that's so good. And I wanna sit there just for a minute, just because I think, you know, you almost broke down crying. You don't cry often. I'm always almost crying if I'm on stage. <laughs> so real though, so real. But I do think this is something that is so like, so delicate for you and is so fragile and yet you've become so strong in it. And so you've, you've, you, you, you choose to follow what you feel like God has spoken to you in your life. You built Mosaic MSC, which is like our worship movement, our worship band, the, all the songs that you hear, except for the few that we kind of like pick and choose from some of our friends around the world, comes from the heart of our church. It comes from, from what you've built and what you've started. And not a lot of people know the story of how MSC happened or the fact that I was the face of it initially. Um, he was actually the bass player the originally. Bass player. We, and then they kicked me out. Uh, yeah, turn off your mic, they kicked me out. Um, <laughs> That's no, a but, person. But going from that, so you, you built yourself, then you built MSC, and now MSC is three records in? Three records in. And five, actually. Almost five, five Sorry, bodies of work. Yeah. Millions and millions of people listening to it all over the world. Tremble. Wow. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you, you, you also have a thing called Raya, which is your side project, but it is like, it is your project. And I think sometimes we can get lost in serving, lost in building just church, and, f and re forget that our, that our humanity, that we start treating it like the side project. That we don't actually put the time and the energy into like anyone outside of this room sometimes, right? And this is a sensitive place because we are leaders in this church and we want people to serve and build, but also how do you equip not just the church, but equip the church and the people movement in those moments. Like, how do you, how are in this next season are you gonna prioritize Raya and also like give and build as you feel responsible to MSC? Yeah. Does that um, make sense? Yes. Okay. I think so. I you think can, so. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'll answer something and then okay. you can just tell me how yeah, far I was. <laughs> um, we were actually having this conversation the other day and um, I have sort of started to replace myself um, with other people that, are, that do it better and that are amazing and just at all of our campuses. And so um, we got, got back from tour and I came and I was like, well, what do I do? And they were like, well, I don't know. Got, got back from tour. You toured for six weeks? Yeah. 
And most people don't MSC. know. MSC toured yeah, to thousands and thousands of people. Did like a gospel club tour, which was the coolest thing ever. And, and then, and then yeah. you played Coachella on your own. Mm-hmm. And then the. Co- is this a different question? Sorry, go back to you. Go back to you. I'm really excited. I'm going to write Coachella in my, in my questions. Coachella. Um, so I came back and I was like, I don't have a job. What do I do? And um, I started to panic because I realized that over the past six years, even though Mosaic was the, the biggest fear that I had in that moment at 20 when I said yes to it, um, stepping out of Mosaic has now been my biggest fear. And so um, realizing that I might now be forced to do something that I've wanted to do my whole life because I have no job here to do right now. And um, it's been like the biggest struggle for me the past month, but I've realized that by taking steps back, um, I actually get to like marvel in what Mosaic is. And I think we get so caught up in the walls of a church or the faces that we see every day or every week. Um, and we, we start to um, feel claustrophobic almost, but we don't know it. And I think that's where I was. And it's not that being within it is wrong or bad, but it's that when you get to step away from something and see how beautiful it is, you get to step back into it with a whole new awe that you didn't have before. Um, And so always like in songwriting, like I'll go for like 12 hours without eating, but it's better for me to walk outside for five minutes, come back in, and it's, it could probably be so bad, the song, and I didn't know it because I was spending 12 hours on it, and I didn't ever take a second to just step away and clear my mind and go back to it. And so like when we're serving in church, we don't actually know what we're creating because we've never like stepped back and looked at it since the beginning. And the beauty and the, the wonder that drew us in, we don't actually get to experience because we're so task-oriented. And um, I think that it's just a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be a long step away. Like my dad and I were in London this week and to come back and to see what mosaic is. It's just, I, I want, I want to do something, you know, I'm like, give me that chair. I'll set it up. Just let me be part of something, please. Um, but it's, it's beautiful to step away from something and see the work that you have put in and the beauty of something that people create together and then step back in with strength and love. And the things that you create out of love are so much better than what they are when you feel claustrophobic or you haven't actually been able to step outside, get a fresh breath of air and come back in and then take it on with a new, like, Uh, new fresh mind with new eyes with um, fresh hands like all of it to be able just like just take a second you know like sit in church listen like those are the 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 breaths that we need um, to go back in and see the beauty in it and so I've started like every day this week I felt so good about doing my own thing this week, I say that because it's a literal daily thing. <laughs> One day I'm a hot mess, the next day I feel good. Um, but two days in a row so far, so <laughs> I feel good. Um, oh, go. Yes, yeah, I? just the, the um, 
the more that I've been able to step back, the more I love it. And so I feel good about stepping back. I feel good about like being in a space that of someone that does never encountered Jesus or doesn't even know what church is. Um, and I always have to remind myself like what I do outside of Mosaic only brings more glory to what Jesus is doing in Mosaic. And the more that I can build my life, the more I can build Mosaic. And like, I want to build a wealthy life. Like, I just wanna be honest with you. I want to have mad money because <laughs> I want to give money. I want to be generous. So good. The... Mad money. Mad money. Mad money. <laughs> she... I don't know if you saw that one coming. <laughs> um... You were funny because we're a sidebar and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about Coachella real quick. But we, um, when the whole, there was like this blog that was like firing off on preachers for wearing nice clothes and like, and pastors for wearing nice clothes. And we, we won't name them because I don't, I don't, I don't throw things away and then talk about it. Um, so we're not going to name the blog because I hate them. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I was like, you know, I don't want to get, like I had, my lease was up and I was like, I don't want to get a new car because it like looks bad. Mm -hmm. And you were like, heck no. They think this pays for my life. You're like, I write music. I work other jobs. I do things that pay for my life. I want to be a wealthy person so I can always get back to church. And your mindset was completely different than mine because I was afraid. I was like, oh, they're going to judge me for making money and doing whatever we do as a family because we all have side hustles. We all do different Mad things. Side, a lot Mad of side, side hustles. hustles. You, the, yeah, a lot of side hustles. And but you were someone who you you have a husband who works in the in in, in tours and, and writes songs that everybody loves. And your identity isn't singular. You're like if they pin me to just the church, they're not actually seeing who I am as a human. And which I thought was so beautiful. And because me and Dad were talking about like we're wearing the most basic Nikes for at least six <laughs> weeks. And. <laughs> And, and you were like, absolutely not. Um, but I want to talk about a moment with Coachella. So you played Coachella in the Sahara tent, which is a... The turn-up tent. The turn-up tent, which is a huge tent. It's massive huge. stage at Coachella. There's like main stage, side stage, and then pretty much this stage, which is like the biggest stage. And it's, it was really cool to go and see you. And you were talking with the artist that you had collabed with, that you were playing a song with, and he was like, you've played bigger shows than this, haven't you? And you were like, yeah, actually. Like, I went on a tour and played arenas this size with our church. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like maybe the, the, the call that God put in your life built you for something bigger than the promise he even has for you? That, like, the stadiums that you've played leading people to Jesus um, are shadowing or putting in, in, what would be, like, in context the stages that God has for you? Mm -hmm. Do you, because I, like, in that moment, he had so much confidence. Yeah. He was like, this is my biggest show ever. And you're like, no, nah, I've done this, all, I've done this a lot. Can you talk to him about that moment that you had with Shalou? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely not thinking, oh, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> you make it sound like I was, like, just so confident. No, I'm nervous right now. And, <laughs> um... Yeah, I think it's it's just really cool because um, Shalou, who's the artist that I did Coachella with, um, he thinks of, he knows of Mosaic as, Mosaic MSC as a legitimate artist, like as a legitimate band. 
And it's amazing that he was just like, yeah, this is like nothing for you because we played three stadiums of 40,000 people in January. Like All at the same time. On the same day. They were live streaming one set to which is Which is just crazy. People. And to me, that is just, I mean, that's insanity. It's only in Atlanta is that possible. <laughs> only in Atlanta. <laughs> There's just so many Christians in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> But it's it's uh, it's crazy. It puts it in perspective because, um, like, I I I realized in that moment you saying that to me, like, I I take for granted the the massiveness of God's dream that He has made reality in our lives, and um, how hilarious it, it is to me that only in that moment did I realize how incredible it is that we did those things, and that. Um, it's never in the moment that we realize how amazing something is. Like, what a tragedy that God gives us these massive things. And it's only in hindsight that we realize that it blew every idea of our lives out of the water. And um, I'm embarrassed because I'm realizing this in this moment, that God has answered the, the prayers that I've had times a million. And I'm only 27. Like, that's, that's ridiculous, but would I ever realize it if I hadn't stopped in this moment? If you hadn't said that, you know, like, it's just amazing, and, and we should all just be thinking of the things that God has done in our lives that blew our dreams out of the water, but we're still desperate for him to, to do anything, and we can't even be grateful for the, for the things he's already done and, like, yeah. the moments he's already, you yeah. know, blew our ideas out of the water. So good. Um... I have another line. How are you guys doing? You good? Yeah. Is this, we haven't quite gone into the biblical, we've talked about your life. We haven't yeah. gone into the Bible yet. We kind of did a little bit. Call of God on your Yeah, life. God's in the Bible. God's in the Bible. <laughs> it's about him. We got two Bibles up here. Um, we got two Bibles. <laughs> Uh, this we had a, we had a couple questions. Do we want to talk about them real quick? Yeah, but can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> Let's go. I think you're. How's it working with me? How's it working with me? Um, people might think that we're cute. I know that people always say that we're cute in pictures. And if you've ever been five feet in, around us, within five feet, you know that we're not cute. And we're like two bombs that will trigger each other at any moment. Yeah. But I hope that you don't get mad at me for this. But what are your dreams? My are, I feel like you're, even today, you're just like this and this. And Aaron is one of those, those people that, um, like, it's, it's incredible how many ideas he could have in one second. And um, he is just a well of ideas and brilliance. And um, every idea that he has, you're like, that's the best idea I've ever heard. And then he's like, no, it sucks. Why do you think it's good? Let's go to the next thing. <laughs> you're so slow. And you're like, I just, I'm just hearing it. Um, but I think you're dealing with the same thing. Similar things. I think we've, you know, we've talked a lot about how to have dreams and then also how to navigate building the church and something I had big dreams I was working in clothing I was working at Saint Laurent in New York it was like the dream job for the creative director that I wanted to work for and then my life changed when I came to know Jesus and I put what I thought was the dream job was actually just this destination that was um I realized was driven by like um 
a small mindset that I, we walked into a store one day or saw a photo shoot that I thought was interesting and was like, I'm gonna, I literally walked into a museum at the um, Pacific Art Design Center. They had, they had a museum in the back and I walked in and there was a whole art installation by a guy named Hedy Slimane and I was like, I'm gonna work for this guy one day. And, and a year and a half later, I was working for the guy. And, and I realized that God, and then I met Jesus and I realized that the dreams I had, God blessed. Even, even because I think I was super open about the fact that I was a mess and there was like a lot going on. I was on a faith journey. But then when I met God, it was looking back going, oh God, all of those moments that I had dreams that you met them, those were the miracles that you were in. I just couldn't identify, I wasn't identifying God. I was identifying like, oh, this just, it just happened. You know, I just happened to meet a guy at a restaurant that was the vice president of Prada that became the president of YSL. Like, it just happens to happen like that. But it was like, no, like God actually breathed into a moment. And I think God was creating this trail for me to understand his existence, right? God was creating this, um, this reality for me so that when I looked back that I had, uh, would notice that he was there with me all along. Because I'm a questioner. I question everything. If you say you love me, I question why you love me, how you love me, how could you love me, and then I do things to try to get you to not love me. Like, that, I'm that. And then he wonders, why don't you love me? And then I'm like, why do you love me the way you should love me? Like, unconditionally, and you're like, you're so conditional, Aaron, you know? But if you know me, it's true. You know me, it's true, right? It's so true. I'm, yeah, I'm tough. And, but my dreams, I think the dream for me was to build this church. And then we built it, and it keeps growing. And then the next generation is better than me. Like, there's 50 leaders in this room who are better communicators, don't tell them, though. Um, but you feel that sometimes. You're like, like, I wonder if you feel that. You're kind of the best. You're super good. But then you met Nashby, and you're like, he's, the best. he's me, tall with a beard. <laughs> and, and there's just the reality is that, like, if the dream stays the same, um, you will die in it, wow. right? Like, God gives me new dreams every day, just, as, just like he gives me ideas. Because he, I think, for on me is to create them or get out of the way and then replace myself and go to the next one. Like, I'm someone who's able to have lots of dreams. So I, like, I live in that reality, and I'm grateful for them. And when I get too stuck on something, I realize I get embittered by it. Does that make sense? And so I think a huge part of like, yeah, what is dreaming? I don't know. It's a huge thing that I'm figuring out, like what are my dreams right now for the next season? Yeah. But I do know that every time I see someone get better at what they're doing, it challenges me to, to increase my capacity to dream bigger and greater and further. Um, and maybe it's more about like the, because I think we all think in like, what's the dream job or what's the dream destination instead of like, what is the mission of our lives that God has called us to? Yeah. And that is, a, like, that can be in every job, in every situation, in every relationship, in every season. And that changes with us, you know? Like, that's what I'm learning is that my, my mission is still the same regardless of my occupation, um, that that will always stay with me the love of Jesus that I have, the love of the church that I have, the, the heart forgiving that I have and that I desire um, will always stay with me. And when I lose that is when I'm disconnected to what God's doing, not when I'm not given the job or the right thing that I think that I need. Um, it's like the mission or the, the core thing that, 
that you take with you everywhere you go. It doesn't live here in this building. It lives in you. And we talk about, too, like, there's seasons of our lives, right? And, like, the season of, you're six years into this season of working at church, which is a, a long period of life to have from 20 to 26. Like, that is longer than most people have worked at their jobs at your age. And then, and then to, for me, I'm 30, and I'm, I've been working for church for maybe four years, give or take some firings. <laughs> We've quit like a hundred times, so. There was a season where I probably quit every day. I think I quit last week. You for sure quit last week. Because I came to staff and I was like, she works for us still? I'm not entirely sure. But there was a thing. This is, this is a, we're going to, LJ Benet, is, is he in here? Where is he at? He's LJ. in here. He's someone who, one, who achieved what he set his, what, what he set his sights on. He, he wanted to be an actor. He like a triple threat. Can you dance? You can kind of dance. Uh, he can dance. Actor, singer, dancer, Disney channeler. Uh, and he was on the Disney channel, which was, there's a great story. Our, the guy who was speaking on Sunday, Steve Carter, his son came to Orange County campus and he's 10 years old. And he looks at the worship leader who's LJ and goes, mom, I'm pretty sure he was on dog with the blog. <laughs> And just starstruck. And immediately in that moment, we, we, we won this kid's heart for Jesus. But he, he's someone who, who, who took a pause on, his, on what his previous dream was and now pours into leading worship for church. And he does not get paid by us. He hustles and does other things. He's always leading the way. And, and I always ask him, because your family, can I share your family story a little bit? Family doesn't believe in Jesus. In fact, pretty much hates the fact that you spend your life doing this. Hey, a little bit. He says a little bit, but, but really a lot. And he, he reads this verse to me and quotes it to me. And today... He quotes it to me often when I ask, how do you do it and how are you able to do it? Because we grew up, two parents love God, um, and it's easy to follow the call of God. It's like two great options. Even though it's hard, we look at it in hindsight and we're like, wow, it is really in comparison to so many other people so much easier. It says, Luke 14, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. That's heavy, huh? We don't really talk about that one. No, huh? Did you know that was there? <laughs> and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And I love this moment because I think Jesus casts out such a far, like, just such an unimaginable reality of what it means to follow him. It means to literally abandon everything that makes you feel safe, comfortable, at home, easy, wealthy, satisfied, and we're going to go on a trip together. And it's saying abandon yourself. But we live in a world where we feel like anything that validates our dreams is, what, is where we should be. So we moved to Los Angeles because the place of dreamers. Right? And then how many people have moved to Los Angeles and then moved back for a season of time? <laughs> back to Nebraska, where you came from. Yeah. <laughs> back to Alabama, back to Texas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where we have these seasons where it, it is so hard to abandon everything for the thing that we want most. Yeah. 
And then you put Jesus in the middle of your life and he doesn't come and make everything more comfortable. He just disrupts everything. He puts you in a room full of people who love you for the ways they should love you, hopefully. He puts you in a room where you volunteer and you build, where you're giving, where you're building your family and you're drawing in. And then he says, abandon it all to bring people to me. And I think more than anything, more than anyone, because I've watched you be married, which is pretty different as an older brother and pretty amazing because I've watched you guys be awesome and your husband is so sweet and so soft and so strong. But a lot of that strength is because you keep pushing him in to being strong. And you've built his voice and you've built his strength and, and, his, and his toughness because he's a sweet lover. Like, is he? That was weird. That was weird. I don't know how he's a lover, but he's sweet. I'm is getting hot. Like, I'm getting hot. Is there something you need to tell me? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. But can you talk a little bit about that, giving that up? Because you, you, both of you, you guys are constantly giving up family moments to follow what God's put, placed in your lives. For sure. Because you go to tour, and then if Jake Goss ever has a day off, he flies around the world and goes and sees you for 12 hours. He's flying on Sunday. He'll be here at noon. He flies out at 11 p.m. Just to come be around on Mother's Day. I'm not a mom, but, you know, just what up? Just Maybe a soon? reason. Today? Nope, nope. This is the announcement? No. You it's always start. <laughs> I always do this. I always do this. Uh, I don't know the question. It's not a girl. Talk about. If that's the question. Abandoning uh, the comfort and the safety. Oh, yeah. Of even the moments that you, the few moments that you have. Um... Yes. Being apart is terrible sometimes. It's terrible when he doesn't know if he's supposed to be on the road. And then if I don't know um, what God is calling me to do. And it's amazing the moments where he feels confident that God's calling him in one direction. And I feel confident that God's calling me in one direction. And um, the beauty of that to me is I know every day when I talk to him on the phone that he feels confident that God has called him to this and um, that I will never, I have committed to never being a reason that he does not answer the call of God. Um, my uh, heart will be okay when I know that he's living in what God has asked him to do. And, um, like, he is just the best human being. He is not tough. He is the softest thing ever. He's, He's a sweet lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, he is just, he's the best. <laughs> Aaron knows, apparently. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's, it's every once in a while when it gets hard, like, I just ask him, is this what God is calling you to do still today and in this season? And if he tells me yes, then I'm okay. And it doesn't mean that there aren't hard days to, to decide that God's call is, is better than a moment um, because there are a lot of days I would give anything to just have a moment, um, to just have, like, 
of five-minute conversation rather than a 30-second conversation on the phone. Um, there are, like, so many moments. But to know that when I call him and I ask him, is this what God is telling you to do? And he says, yes. I'm, I am just more grateful that God has given me someone who answers the call in his life. Um, because how much worse would it be if he was here, aimlessly wandering, not listening to anything God was doing? And, um, you know, when he's here, it's harder because I'm like, what are you doing? Um, and he's like, I'm just hanging out with you. And I'm like, I got stuff to do because God's also calling me to stuff. And just because you're here doesn't mean that I stop doing that. Um, but to know that, like, both of us have a call. And um, that's a hard thing in a relationship because there's just a lot of um, emotional needs that need to be met. Um, but you can handle it without it because you lived life without it. Um, it's just a gift on top of the gift that God has given you in living. It's not your reason for living. And so I've had no, to... Time out. It's so good. Yeah. All right. I'm going to fire. We're, we're wrapping up right now. It's been such okay. a good night, yeah? Um, I love having you. I love you. I know you didn't say you love me, but I love you. <laughs> I love you. Okay. Um, I'm going to fire these questions off. Can we give quick answers? Because we've got to go. Okay. Yes, I'll try. How do, you stay, how do you not stay complacent with your faith? Oh, Emma? my gosh. Well, that's not a quick I know, answer. A lot. I know, but just real quick, what are some two things that you do? What's your answer? Uh, well, one thing is, I know that you do is discipline. You're really disciplined. Mm -hmm. you, when you're on tour, you make them, you do not let them order out late. You make <laughs> them wake up fairly early and work out. Sometimes. You call them chubby. No, I don't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> No, but you, 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 help, uh, you help build structures for people. Yeah. And you help me build a structure for my life. Like, I wake up, I read my Bible, try to pray, try to get alone. Yeah. Try to, I know my mind fires off, so there's only so much time in the morning when I'm only thinking, like, five thoughts a second versus a thousand. So I try to build and let those moments be, like, with God. And how do you do it? I think having structure, I think, like, having moments alone, I drive and I talk to God, so... Like, because I'm always driving, because we live in L.A., so that's just a reality. Um, but to be able to actually have a conversation, and I always think that when I say amen at the end of my prayers, that I'm actually not having a conversation with God. So I try to have a continuous conversation that I never have to end. Um, that, like, is just... Because I don't want to pray and then say amen, and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I need to ask you this thing also. Um, and amen, and then, oh, wait, I forgot. Instead of just, like being able to pick up where I left off and where we left off. And a lot of times that's in a car, so. <laughs> I still have road rage, so he's not always with so me. So you're no. like. <laughs> <laughs> um, hardest part, working with siblings. <laughs> What's, um, being... I don't know. I think it's just, working with family is really difficult. I would never recommend it. Um, <laughs> I think it's what it's, yes. <laughs> I don't think you would recommend it either, Dad. <laughs> I think that for us, I don't know about this is for all siblings, but you're my hero. So Are like, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Not every second of every day, but like bottom line, you've been my heroes for my whole life. Yeah. So I think like the bad moments are like 
um, life shattering because it's not just like a business relationship or a work relationship. It's like someone that has held my heart my entire life. And so, um, and I know you feel this way, even if you don't say it, cause you love me. Um, but when it's, when it's, uh, like a battling thing, battle ready, we're always battle ready and battle engaged. <laughs> um, but it gets really hard because it's, it's more than, a, a decision over what's happening at Mosaic or more than a, or a conversation about something else. It, it always goes back to that one thing that we had when we were teenagers or it always goes back to other things because it is like we are, we are connected. Like he is just the, the best person I know and the person I want to be like. So if I ever disappoint him, I'm mad at him because I'm, I'm mad that I disappointed him um, and he knows it. And so I think for us, it's like, it's just that. And also the best mo the good moments are the best moments. So it's like, we have to remember those moments and the battling can be worth it for those moments because like this, like this will be just one of my favorite moments. So good. Because we had a fight today. We did. And I said, are you going to come pick me up? Because I, in we your don't car. have to, no. <laughs> Because it's unresolved. <laughs> I'm not sure we want to get back into that. <laughs> I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it. I literally said, am I? Are you going <laughs> to? I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, my legs are sweating so much. Um, my heart's racing. <laughs> how, real quick, real quick. We're going to wrap this up. Two minutes. I've been saying this. How, how do you know which people to fight for and which people to let go of? Why are you staring deep in I'm pretty mind? sure all of these are Shannon Costello's questions on Instagram. I think fight for everyone and work on yourself because if you let people seep in, the wrong people seep in, it just means you're not tough enough. Yeah. But I think fight for everyone and be careful about who you fight to be in your inner world. So like fight for the people who are encourage you, um, the people who make you better, the people who challenge you, not the people who tell you what you want to hear. Um, the people that you want to be like, I think that's the thing. Even with teams, it's like if you have one person um, that embodies who you want the team to be or who you want to be, um, then you start to take on attributes of them. And so I think surround yourself with people who you want to be like, and then, um, you, t you sort of make each other stronger and then you go to battle for other people um, because your life is for that. It's not to create a force field around you with good people and friends and cut everyone else out. You gotta toughen yourself up and get out there and fight for people and it's messy and it's dirty and you just, you just toughen yourself up behind the scenes with the people that you wanna be like. That's what I would say. That's I, what I said. It's so good. <laughs> You're, you fight for everyone and then invest in a few. Surround yourself with people who will challenge you. People who only pray for you and never challenge you, those aren't your friends. People are like, hey, I'm praying for you right now, but they never actually say the thing that God's speaking to them about you, right? And it doesn't mean that that should always be a call out, but if you're having real conversations with friends, there should always be friction, right? Because if you're really a friend, you're gonna be challenging each other to be the best. You know, like friends who want you to stay the same, like those friends, like, oh, we're always gonna be like this in senior year of high school forever. I'm like, thank God I'm not. 
because I, I like I drove like a beater car that someone lent me that didn't have driving fluid in it and I don't think I'd ever been on a date and like I don't think I still think I wore like khakis on purpose I still like I had braces for sure you had braces for so long so long yeah. um, no but really like don't don't let people in your life keep you complaints it if you're the same group of friends, you've been the same group of friends forever, that's a good thing, but if you're not expanding, that's yeah. not great, yeah. right? Like, yeah. don't, be, don't be stale. Yeah. Yeah. You, like, you don't go and buy the last chicken at Air One because it's been chilling there, by, doing its thing forever. Um, all right, last thing, we're done. Last thing, we're done. You ready? Yes. Um, I don't know if I want to go here. What do you do with toxic people? Hmm. I think it's sort of the same thing. You no? gotta say it though. I gotta say it? Yeah, what do you do with them? I don't know. Tell them, hey, you're toxic. Okay, next don't one. you know that you're uh, toxic? Uh, next one. <laughs> if you feel like God's speaking into your life, what's the best way to answer that call? Say yes. Say yes and then what? And then do the thing he told you to do. And then what if you feel like you've never heard God's voice before? Yes. <laughs> that's the question. Um, I think the, the thing that's beautiful about the scriptures is God asks a lot of people to do a lot of stuff. And um, I think when you start by reading, like I, I always think like when someone calls you, you know who it is based on their voice, right? Like if you have like a best friend or your mom or your dad and they, and you answer the phone and you could, you could tell their voice from anyone. Like if one of my friends tried to answer my phone pretending to be me to Jake, he would know right away. I hope to God he would know. <laughs> but for my story, it will be that he knows my voice because he's taking the time to get to know me. So you can't know God's voice if you don't know who God is. And so like this is, um, this right here is, who Jesus is right here. He has given it to you. He has laid it all out for you. And he has said, get to know me here so that you can know me here. Because when you know how I work, you know what I would say. Um, and sometimes it's just um, learning about who he is. And it doesn't always, I don't hear God's voice every time I take a step. But I know the character of God, and I know what decision he would want me to make anyways. And so I just believe that moving towards the character of God will, will get you the, to the voice of God. And moving in the direction of God will reveal it. And so when you get to know who Jesus is through the scriptures, you will start to hear things and see things aligned with the character of Jesus. And then you can say, I know who Jesus is. I know that voice. And it will, you'll distinguish your voice from God's voice, even if it sounds like your voice, because it's a thought that you might never have had, or it's an idea or a decision you might never have had. And so you just get to know him here, and you can hear him when you're looking or making decisions because you know the character of God. I love that. That's probably the best description. God's voice may sound like your voice, but his character is probably different than your character. And so if you, when you create that foundation and you line up not just what you read, but what you hear, and then what he does and what he's calling you to do, right? It's not just one singular thing. I love when people are like, well, God told me to do this. And then they're like, God told me to do that. God is not flighty. God is like foundational. God builds. He'll never call you to just leave something and abandon something because he will never do that to you. 
And so I think that is like some, one of the most incredible descriptions of the character and the voice of God and lining up. And with that, we're going to pray. I think I just did Father, and Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> but can we just pray together and just thank God for tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. And Jesus, we pray tonight that wherever we are at in our faith journey, whether we have been doing this for a while and we have family and, and, and we have friends who've been in, in, this, in this church environment for a while, God. Maybe we are new to this experience, Jesus, where we are coming to church and we are stepping into a relationship and a journey with you, God. Maybe we are begging and crying out for your existence. Maybe, God, we are just simply trying to hear your voice and to know your character. God, I pray that you will instill in this room a room full of um, people who feel so called, not just because they feel it, because they know it, God, that, that if they have breath in them, that they know that there is the God, the creator of the universe who has um, called them out by name, who has created them to build and to love and to spread them and to, uh, to pursue them and to empower them, God, not just with their dreams, but their callings, God. And that it is not limited to their dreams, but that, God, your calling will genuinely bring them into a world they could have never imagined, Jesus. We thank you for leaders like Mariah. We thank you for pastors like our pastors, God. And we thank you so much for every volunteer and person who comes into this room and who builds this thing with us, God. We pray, Jesus, that, that it, moments like tonight, that one, you will build a building with two stories, twice as big as the Rose Room. We'll get two roses in here. Uh, God, with more than one bathroom, Jesus. And we pray, God, because we need people to know you. And Jesus, we pray that we can find a place and build a place and buy a place that will be big enough to bring our friends, God, to build the culture and the spirit of your church and your heart, Jesus. We love you and we pursue you and we give you everything we have. And God, if there's people in this room who do not know you, Jesus, we pray that you will plant a seed tonight that will grow into this beautiful life-giving tree Jesus, that they will know that this is the place that can surround themselves with people who will invite them into a relationship with you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.